Hi friends, Brad here, the lead pastor of a new church called The Table. This podcast is a short insight to what we do every week, and we think that long, drawn-out messages lose meaning. So over the course of this podcast, you'll find questions that we pose to our people that they'll discuss in real time. And so we would love for you to find time to reflect on these questions as well. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and check us out at thetablejoliet.org. Well, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Happy New Year to you. Uh, I know it doesn't feel like it's, I mean, it's, it's only been a few days, but it's felt like two weeks. I don't know why, but Happy New Year to you. So glad that you are here this morning. My name is Brad. I'm one of the pastors here. We don't do this enough, but the best part about this church is not our worship team. Uh, I already know, you already know it's not the preaching. Uh, it is our kids' ministry. We have an amazing, an amazing kids' ministry. A lot of times, uh, our kids' ministry makes up a third of our church on a Sunday, if not even more. Yeah, we can sell, you can celebrate that. And so this morning, uh, I want to share with you an initiative that our kids took upon themselves to help people all across the world. And so I'm going to show you this video, and then we're going to have a little story uh, from one of the students um, from the Table Kids this morning come up, and she'll talk to you about that. All right, can you guys welcome with me, this is Zoe and Julia, and they're going to tell us about what they did this Christmas. This Christmas I got things I really, really wanted, and I just felt like I was loved. And uh, tell us about the video that we just watched. We, ha we have earned enough money for chickens and goats. This month our church has been raising money for chickens, goats, pigs, and cows. We've managed to earn up $140, which is enough for a chicken and a goat. They each go to families that need it. That is awesome. $140 our kids raised to buy a goat and a chicken for somebody in a community across the world. Guys, thank you so much for sharing that with us. Can we give them a hand and celebrate what our kids are doing? Thanks, guys. Uh, that's so much fun. It is such a joy to see our kids living generously uh, and to be giving to those in need across the world and changing lives. Uh, so this morning, uh, we begin our new series called Life, What Do You Want? And if you're anything like me, you've stepped into the new year with two problems. Um, one is not knowing what you want to do, and the other is doing what you know will get you what you want. Anybody else have these struggles? These are issues, maybe just for me. But it seems to me like there's always a disparaging gap between my habits and my ambitions. And this is not something new for us. This is not something new when it comes to struggling through life and living up to what we want to live into and in our dreams. And so uh, we've decided to look back at the first century uh, and we begin to look at Jesus' life. And we quickly find that he constantly asked people this question, what do you want? And what I love even more is when he asked the question, what do you want me to do for you? And I think this question helps us look at a deeper question, which what are your ambitions in life? I mean, when you think about the next year, what difference do you plan on making? 
And so this morning, uh, we're talking about, and I've entitled it, Defining Your Dreams. And if you're expecting the next four weeks for us to basically like lay this plan out for you and to tell you step by step how you're going to define your dreams, um, you will have to do some work. There's got to be some legwork. We're not going to do it all for you, but we're going to help you get where you want to be. So uh, this morning, would you pray for me as we begin? Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to stand in your presence this morning. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your grace. I pray that you would be in this time of teaching. I pray that it would connect with our lives and that it ultimately change how we live. In Jesus' name, amen. So a couple years ago, uh, I was really unhealthy. I don't know how else to say it. I was just overweight. I was fat. I was overweight. I was big and heavy. And um, I was realizing I was coming close to 40. And of course, everybody talks about 40 like it's the end of the world. And so they, you know, it's like, it's really depressing when you talk to people who talk about turning 40. It's like, oh yeah, everything changes after 40. And so I'm preparing for 40 and I don't want it to be like a downhill spiral. And so I decided I was going to get healthy, started eating right, started working out. Cheryl's husband, Jason, he, he ignited in me a passion for uh, working out and lifting and kicked my rear end a few times. And I was just absolutely miserable the first two weeks. Um, but over the course of, you know, a few months, I started to feel really good, and I started to feel really healthy, and then something happened that I hadn't anticipated. I was having a conversation with somebody, and it was in the middle of the conversation. I don't know if it was a white wall or if I was outside and it was cloudy outside, but I noticed a black dot in my vision. Maybe you've had this happen before. And so I'm, I'm looking at this black dot, but it was kind of like the music screen in the last song. We, these dots just sort of like, they kind of shift across the screen. And so I'm trying to look at it, and I'm like, where in the world did this dot come from? And so I was trying to look into it some more, meaning I was just trying to follow it and trying to figure out what it was. And of course, the more I tried to follow it, the farther it went away, and I just couldn't keep up with it. But I realized that I actually, in looking at one of them, I had like two, three, four, and five of them. And I'm like counting them, realizing there's something going wrong with my eye. And so I do what you do when you have an illness, and you go to the internet, and you Google it, and you look up dots in your eye. And of course, sometimes Googling your illness is like listening to all the side effects from a new medication. It always involves death and cancer. So immediately I pull up dots in eye, and it's like death and cancer are the first two things. And start, I start freaking out. I mean, I'm a worry wart. I worry about everything. And so I'm worrying about this dot or these dots in my eye. And long story short was... Um, I, I went to the doctor and he essentially told me, he said, you have floaters in your eye. And he said, everybody has them. And the, the problem was, though, was when I was trying to figure out what was going on, I noticed that I spent a lot of time uh, following, following the floaters, but losing sight of what was in front of me. Are you with me on this? Like, when you're doing 80 on 80, by the way, if you're not from here, that's the rule. You just do 80 on 80, okay? That's just how it is. I was doing 80 on 80, and of course, I see one go by, and I'm like, whoa, what is that? And I start counting it. One, two, there's another one. There's three. And of course, my wife reminds me, as I'm looking at the floaters in my eye, that there are people in front of me who are stopped. I also noticed that when I was at my kids' practice, they play soccer, and I love coaching with them. I looked like the crazy dad out in the middle of the field. All the kids are playing, and I'm sitting there looking up at this guy trying to count. One, two, three. There's seven on my lens. I'm seriously going to die. 
And what I learned from this experience, month, I mean, I went three months with not talking to anybody about it. It was like my little secret. You do this, you don't tell anybody about what's going wrong with you until you just finally burst and you have to like, you're in tears and you're like, I'm gonna die. And I realized this about that whole experience is that when we lose focus, we lose sight of life in front of us. That when we lose focus, we lose sight of what is most important in front of us. And so this morning, um, I wanna work with this question. I think it's a good question. If you're new here or it's your first time, one of the things we love to do is we love to talk during the talk. Don't let it intimidate you. If you're an introvert like me, uh, it is okay for you to take this moment and to take notes and text somebody. You do not have to talk to anybody. Uh, if you're an extrovert and you love talking to people, great. Find somebody who loves talking to you. Don't talk to somebody who doesn't wanna talk to you. Um, but we're going to work with this question this morning so you can take notes, you can text or talk to somebody. What New Year's resolution or goal did you make that you know you will break in the next two weeks? What New Year's resolution goal did you make that you know you will break in the next two weeks? Talk about it. We'll sing another song and we'll come back and get back into the message. So it's, it's fun. I wonder if I could sit around your table and hear the conversations about the resolutions and the goals that you're going to break in two weeks, how disappointing you are and how disappointed you are in yourself. And, and maybe you're disappointed in your spouse. I don't know. But I think the question I want to work with is uh, if, if what you want this new year, if you, what you want in 2020 is the right focus for you. In fact, I think the better question that I think you should ask is this, is where am I losing focus? See, I, I think focus changes everything for people. Have you ever noticed the difference between people who are focused and people who have no goals in life or people who aren't focused at all? I mean, think about this with me. Everybody is busy, but people who are focused, even though they get busy, they still have a direction. The people who don't have a plan and people who don't have a focus when it gets busy, they go in every direction. Think about relationships with me for just a second, especially if you're young, uh, young people, it's okay to have a list of characteristics of things that you want in that future someone. I think so often we, uh, it's, it's interesting because no, everybody knows that you're not going to live up to every single thing. They're not going to check every box. But the fact is when you see that person, you are so focused on who you want and what you expect of them that you know exactly who they are. Versus somebody who doesn't have a plan and somebody who doesn't have a focus. And what's interesting is when you don't have a goal and you don't have a focus when it comes to your relationships, it's amazing who you will let into your life. In fact, some of our relationships, the reason why we are where we are when it comes to our relationships is because we didn't have a plan. We weren't focused on who that person was. We just let them walk into our life and sometimes they've ruined it. And so here's how I know, and this is just my thought, and you can push back and you can disagree with me this morning, that's okay. But one way that I think we lose focus, and the way that you know you are losing focus, is when you let life instead of live life. 
You know you're losing focus in life when you're just letting life happen to you instead of living life. In fact, I think a lot of times we just let people walk into our lives. A lot of times we allow our kids' schedules to dictate our family's direction. A lot of times we let our work or our employers determine the amount of time that we spend away from people that are most important to us. A lot of times we just let things happen to us. And here's what I know. When it comes to the end of life, especially when I've spent some time around people who are on their last few moments, when you meet people who just let life happen to them, they'll say things like this. What in the world happened? Where did my time go? What legacy am I leaving? I mean, what did I do that was meaningful here? In fact, you might even hear them say something like this. There's nothing here that I've left simply because I've let life happen. And so our goal, I mean, my goal as your pastor is to move you forward in your faith. That is our mission. We want you to move forward in your faith. We don't want you stuck. We don't want you stagnant. We want you growing. And part of that means being focused, not just on what you want, but what God wants for your future. And so this morning, we're going to look at an amazing story uh, that I love. It's one of my favorites, but it comes from a guy named John. Now, if you're not familiar with John, uh, we call it his gospel. And that is not a religious term. It just literally means good news. Uh, I, I don't know about you, but I like good news. <laughs> so there are four gospels or there are four good news accounts of Jesus' life. And John's is one of my favorites because John gets a backstage pass to Jesus' life. You see people who doubt and people who question and people who say the Bible isn't real. I, I fully understand. I've, I've had the same questions and I've been there before. But what does it for me when it comes to John is the fact that his story is not passed down from his brother's sister's cousin's mother's half aunt. Like, this is firsthand, I witnessed, I saw this happen kind of thing. In fact, John sees things that other people don't see. And so it's kind of like the backstage pass to your favorite band. You get to see them for who they are and what they are. And that's how John relates to Jesus. He gets to do things and see things that other people don't get to see. And I love in John's account his title that he's given. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes titles drive me crazy. Like, they just do. I think sometimes people abuse them and use them as power. But in this case, I think sometimes titles determine the tenacity of somebody. Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure people don't, don't just get PhDs from sitting there. I'm pretty sure the title that you were given at work or what you do in your profession wasn't just handed to you. This is something that you worked for. And so we find in John that he's given a title, and I think it's because of the tenacious, uh, oh man, what's the word I'm looking for? He is so tenacious in his approach to living life with Jesus, that he's present in every moment. And because he is, he does things that are monumental. In fact, the title that he's given is the one that Jesus loved. Like, if Jesus had a pet, John was it, which I think is pretty cool. But it's because he was so present, and he was so tenacious in following Jesus, that he was present in every moment and he did things that were monumental. You talk about a guy who knows his goals, who can see things in focus. It was John. In fact, one of the stories he shares today is one that he witnessed firsthand. And we're not gonna get very far and we're not gonna go very far in the story, but I'm gonna give you some of the backstory in a minute. But I love this. Here's what he says this morning. 
He says, just then his disciples returned and they were surprised to find him talking with a woman. Now, I know you're so inquisitive. You're saying, what's so surprising about somebody talking to a woman? Well, it's interesting because John gives us the backstory, and he just doesn't describe her as a woman, but he describes her as a Samaritan woman. And if you're familiar, or maybe you're not familiar with the Bible, Samaritan was sort of a derogatory term. In fact, they viewed these people as sort of like half-breeds. The way I liken is like, kind of like this. It's almost like if you've ever bred dogs or you sell dogs or you buy dogs, you know the question is, is this a half-breed? Is it a mutt? What is it? And you know if it's a mutt, you're going to pay less for it. And that's sort of how this woman and this culture or this community was viewed is that they were sort of like half-breeds. They were from a war-torn country. They were half-breeds and they were kind of nobodies. In fact, they were viewed as like subpar and also not even really human. And so here Jesus meets this woman who's sort of like at the bottom of society. And not only that, but she's a woman. Now, contextually, we can't understand it. But women back then, they didn't have a voice. In fact, they weren't even considered viable. They weren't even considered valid in terms of their opinions and their thoughts about life. It was pretty much literally just kind of stay out of the way, stay in the back, and don't get in my way. That's kind of the culture that they lived in. And so for Jesus to be talking to a woman in this moment is absolutely scandalous. Like, this is just something that you don't do. And we know in the backstory from John that it's not the fact that she's a Samaritan, it's not that she's just a woman, that we find out that she's walking out to a well at noon. If you've ever been to the Middle East at noon, I can assure you it is not the most pleasant place to be. It is hot, it is dry. I mean, you do not go outside when it's noon in the Middle East. But this lady comes out at noon to draw water from the well, and, and we know that there's a reason she comes alone, and it's because even her culture and even her community around her views her as a nobody. Because she's been married five times, we find out the man that she's living with in this moment, she's not even married to, and everybody has kind of pushed her aside and said, hey, <laughs> this is a lady who has no focus. She has no goals. She's just kind of letting people into her life, and she's just letting life happen. And so Jesus is meeting with this woman, and it's an absolute shock and surprise, as John tells us in the story. And the story ends so well. I mean, it's like a fairy tale. It's like Disney Plus. You know, it just everything ends great. You know what I mean? And so I'll let you go back and read it. You can find in John 4. But I want to get to this question because I want to get to the next part of the conversation. And we're going to put all this together. But I want to know in this moment right now, who is someone who amazes you? This is a time where you can talk, you can text, you can take notes. But when you think about people who have made a difference in your life, or people that you look up to, who amazes you? Explain why. We'll talk for about a minute or two, and then we're going to come right back, and we're going to dive back in. kind of fun to think about people who amaze us and up to this point we've been talking about this idea that there are people who lose sight they lose focus in life and a lot of times when we lose focus it's a disaster 
And so we're introduced to this woman whose life is a disaster, and we're introduced to a weird, awkward conversation with Jesus who's having this with this woman who he's not supposed to be talking to to begin with. And we pick up the story, and it goes like this. I just love it. It just says, Jesus, uh, just, just then his disciples returned, and they were surprised to find him talking to a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Nobody asked Jesus, what do you want? Or, why are you talking with her? I, I don't know, when I, when, I read, when I read this story, immediately I, I, I think to myself, why aren't the disciples asking why? Because every time that I've read this story and everything that I've been taught about this story was that this was pretty scandalous and everybody should be pretty skeptical. In fact, if anything, they should be surprised at the fact. Surprise literally means to be confused or like mistaken or what's going on here. We're not really sure. And so as I begin to unpack the story, I'm confused because it says they didn't ask Jesus, what do you want or why are you talking to her? So I'm trying to put all this together. And I mean, that's how it works every week. You know, I have no clue I'm still figuring this whole thing out as well. And so I just start doing a little research. I start doing a little, you know, digging. And here's what I found about this word, surprise. In fact, in the Greek, and we're going to teach you this fun word today. You can walk out of here and you can go tell somebody, you know, know a Greek word and it sounds really cool and you'll sound really smart, whatever. It really doesn't mean anything. You can Google this word if you want to. So, but here's what surprise means. It, it's pronounced athumazon. Athumazon, to me it sounds like a Lithuanian Amazon. I don't know, it's just what came to mind when I thought about that. But as I begin to unpack the definition of this, I was expecting to find that in this context, it would mean confusing or not really certain or like questioning, surprise, like that's the kind of the surprise I was expecting. But literally the translation in this place means to be amazed by or to marvel at. To be amazed by or marvel at. And that's why I ask you the question, who are the people that amaze you? When, when I think about the people that amaze me in life, I think about Michael Jordan. I think about this guy. I think about Michael Jordan. Not Michael B. Jordan, although he's really cool too, but I think about Michael Jordan. I mean, grow, I didn't grow up in Chicago as a kid, but even in Ohio, I would only turn on ESPN just to look at this guy. Like maybe you are in a business world or maybe you own a business, but you look to leaders and you're amazed and you marvel at other leaders who are in your industry and they kind of lead the way and you read their books and you read everything that write, you listen to all their podcasts. I mean, you do everything. You marvel at what they're doing in their profession and their work. Um, I, I love following this guy. He's a pastor out in L.A., Erwin. I, I'm just a huge fan of him. He's done some great things, and he connects with a lot of young people. And it's just amazing to see how many people have come to Jesus in his church. Um, and just, he's a great guy to listen to. But I marvel at the way that he preaches. I marvel and I'm amazed by the way that he connects with people. I mean, he's just amazing. Uh, you, maybe you follow YouTubers. I love YouTube. Anybody else love YouTube? Anybody? This is a guy I love. This is Mr. Simnet, Derek. He's my best friend. We, we get together all the time. Actually, he lives in Canada, so it's not even doable. But, um, but man, I marvel when I look at those arms. And I actually, when I look at that food, I'm like, I just marvel. I'm amazed at this guy. And I think the reason why we are amazed or we marvel at people is because it in some sense, it draws admiration. 
Like the people that we are amazed by and the people that we always look up to and we aspire to be like, deep down within, they draw out in us an admiration. And the reason why you admire that person that you mentioned sitting around the tables is because they're doing what you wish you should be doing. They're doing in life what you wish you could be doing in life. And so often we spend so much time looking at other people and we admire that they're living into their passion. They're living into their dreams. And so you connect it with the story of the disciples and Jesus. There's a reason they don't ask why. And it's because they know that when Jesus shows up and he begins talking to this woman, the amazement is not this confusion, but it is a surprise. It's exciting. It's amazing. They had no clue what Jesus' ministry was going to look like. They had no clue the kind of people that he would be talking to. And they are marveling and admiring Jesus as he lives into the very thing he was asked to do from the beginning. In fact, we know, we know Jesus was laser focused. I mean, he said from the very beginning, he said, hey, I have come here not to do my will, but the will of my father. And check out this out. The will of my father is this, that none of those, that none of these referring to you and me would be lost. Jesus says that. He says, I have come to give people life to the full. I have come to become light in the darkness. I have come to bring good news. I've come to bring the gospel to the poor and those in need. This is what Jesus says from the very beginning. And so when he begins to have a conversation with the woman, this surprise is not, Jesus, you shouldn't be talking to her. This is kind of skeptical. You probably shouldn't be hanging out with her. It's not that kind of surprise. They are admiring that Jesus is stepping up and living into the very thing that he said he would do. See, Jesus knew why. And that's why nobody asked why. And I think that's what I want you to understand this morning is that what you want in life begins with why. I mean, this is, this is stuff, you know this. I mean, you could get up here and you could talk about this. I don't need to have a mic. You already know this stuff. But what's interesting to me is if I were to ask you, where's your why written down, how many of you would be able to pull it out and show me? We've got a couple in here. That's great. But a majority of us, we don't know our why. So I want to ask you this question. Why are you here? What have you been put here for? What is your purpose? What difference are you making in this moment, in this world? What I heard from this amazing lady, she said this. She said, just by being here, you are making a difference. Just by being born, you're making a difference. Whether it's good or it's bad, you are making a difference and you are changing lives. So I want to know and I want you to wrestle with this question because it's so important over the next few weeks. Write it down in your journal and begin to think about it and we're going to help you with it. But why are you here? And what's interesting in this story is the next part of the conversation that takes place because I think this is the greatest struggle, especially for me and maybe for you. This is the struggle that we all deal with. Check this out. Watch what happens. This lady leaves. She leaves her water jar. The woman went back. She, she went into town and she told all the people there. She said, hey, man, you got to come see this guy. It's amazing. He's told me everything that I did in my life. He knows all the people I was sleeping with. He knows how many husbands I've had. I mean, he knows all that stuff. And she says, man, could this be? 
could this be the Messiah? I mean, could this be the guy that we've been looking for? They came out of the town and they made their way toward him and they're, you know, approaching Jesus. And all of a sudden, the disciples show up. Now, I always get a hard, people give me a hard time when I make fun of the disciples, but sometimes they're pretty dense. And so we just call them the disciples because sometimes they can't get it figured out. But they walk up to Jesus and they say, Jesus, man, you've got to be hungry. Come on, you've got to eat something. Eat something. But he said to them, I have food that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? I love that. Could someone have brought him food? He's not hungry anymore. I'm running out of time, so I'm just going to get to it. I think our greatest struggle when it comes to why is our internal satiations versus eternal ambitions. See, much of what we do in life is about internal satiation and not eternal ambitions. See, the, the disciples are so focused on a physical food, on, on what it's going to satisfy in the moment, what they're going to do in the moment, that they can't even think about the future that they're creating. And Jesus is saying, you don't understand my food. My food is about the future. And I just want to know this morning, come on, what food are you eating from? Are you eating a food that in this moment will make you happy, but in the future leaves no hope and no legacy? Or is the food that you're living on Leaving something for people to look back and say, man, I'm amazed. I'm surprised by the way that they lived life. I don't, I don't know who told us this, but somebody, somebody really smart decided that we should all have a rat race. And the people with the most toys in life is, you know, whoever dies with the most toys is the most successful. And I think a lot of times we spend most of our lives, I mean, I don't know who told you this and who told me this, but whoever has the nicest house, who have the nicest cars, the kids go to the greatest schools, the kid, you know, everybody is successful. Like, that's the thing we're looking for. And I think so much of that has nothing to do with eternal ambitions. And, and my advice to you and to me is that when we begin with our why, we would be thinking about the future. So, Here's what I want you to know today. It's pretty simple. You could write this stuff. Life begins when you define your dreams. Life begins the moment that you define your dreams. And here's what I know. If you don't put in the work, if you don't write it out, if you don't determine your why, you will just let life instead of living life. And if you just let life, you'll be wondering, where's the meaning? What's the point? Where's the purpose? So, a question you're probably asking me is this. Brad, how do we begin defining our dreams? Well, I, th I think it's a couple things. One, just go ahead and write that down. What's my why? Why am I here? And you can wrestle with that over the course of the week. It's okay to wrestle with it over the course of a few months. You don't have to figure it out tomorrow. But just the fact that you would take the moment to write down what is my why, why am I here, is a fantastic start. And if you're saying, I don't know what it is, I don't know my why, then here's good news. You got to come back next week. 
you have to come back next week. Because if you don't know your why and you're wondering why, if you come back next week, I guarantee you, there's a story that we're gonna look at that would help us discover our why. Man, you guys have been awesome. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for being amazing. And I look forward to this next year, what God's gonna do in your life.